0: let's turn in our bibles to genesis chapter 2 and i want to look at three verses and if you read much in the you're going to recognize this i've just been thinking about this topic and this is something that i've been wanting to teach for a while and it's going to be more of like i guess teaching and then maybe some maybe some preaching we'll just see how it goes but i do want to just talk about spirituality and what does that look like and i just want to um encourage us to, as we heard Billy introduce the topic of walking with the mind of Christ in our calling. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and I'm going to read these verses from the New American Standard Version and the King James, okay? So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a what? A living soul. If you said living being, that's the wrong... No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Living being, a living soul. Uh, Emphasis here is on the word soul. He became a living soul. It did not say that he became a living flesh, creature of flesh. He became a living soul. So God created Adam first as a soul, as a living soul. Let's let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 15. Chapter 15, verses 45 and verse 46. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 and 46. So also it is written that first Adam became a living soul. The last Adam, what does it say there? Became a what? A life-giving spirit. <clears throat> Howbeit, that is not that is not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. So 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. It's a chapter about resurrection. And it's a a great chapter to follow up Easter Sunday because it talks about spiritual bodies. It talks about spiritual things. It talks about the soul. It talks about seeds. And there's a comparison here that the first Adam was a living soul. And this last Adam, who's the last Adam? You guys know that. Last Adam is who? Not Pastor Adam Speedy. It's... It's Jesus Christ, right? He's the last, he's the second Adam, he's the last Adam. The life-giving spirit, meaning Jesus is, Adam was the first Adam, the first human. He fell, and then the last Adam that was created was not the baby that was just born seconds ago. It was Jesus Christ. So he's the second Adam, the last Adam. That is the true man. And let's turn now to Psalms 119, verse 25. And I want to read the first part of that verse. Psalm 119, verse 25. It says this: "My soul cleaves to the dust." David said this: "My soul cleaves to the dust." How many have felt that way? The, the the cleave, the cleaving to the earthly, the cleaving to the things that are that are temporal, the cleaving of those things that are earthly, those the details of our life, the, the details of our domestic life, the details of our business, the detail of politics, the details. There's a a tendency for our soul to to move in that direction so some of this is going to be probably something that you've heard spoken about before but i just want to review it the number we are three parts we are made we know this we are made in the image of god we are soul we are spirit soul and body okay and there's three parts of us and can someone help them let them know that we're here because i don't know if they know that they know we're here so we are three part we're three part creations number one we are, we are, we are spirit. We are made of spirit, and this is that part of us. And just bear with me, because I'm going to do a little teaching here. So it may be a little dry, and then I want to get into some practical practicalities. What is spirit? What is spirit? We know that we live in a world that is not only three dimensional, but we live in a world that has angels. It has spiritual beings. It has demons. It has these spiritual beings that have personalities. Just like animals have different personalities, these demons, these angels have different personalities. They have different, um, uh, different characteristics about them. And without, and I'd love to do a series one day about the unseen worlds. I'd love to do that. Um, I'd just like to take like, maybe four to eight, four to eight messages, and just talk about the, uh, just talk about the unseen world that we live in. And so we are made up of three parts. We're made up of spirit, we're made up of soul, and we're made up of the body. And what is spirit? The human spirit, you and I have a human spirit, okay? And before we are saved, that spirit, that human spirit that is inside of us is inoperable. It's just non-functioning. It's like a dilapidated balloon. It's there, but it's not functioning. It is, it is, it is, there's that potential. It has the, um, there is the ability for that to be affected. That's why an unsaved person can sometimes be influenced by spiritual things, like demonic or even spiritual things. Um, and if a person is not saved, then their spirit can actually be uh, something that is influenced by demonic activity. And that is why, and they don't even know it. And they don't even know that. So there's a part of us that is spiritual that's called the human spirit. And this is the candle of the Lord in Proverbs 20, verse 27. The candle of the Lord. It's that John chapter 1 verse 8 it's that light that is that moral light that is inside of a person that awareness that there is a god but i don't know who he is there is a god and i don't know anything about him there's that part of us that makes us different than our pet dog that has a there's a spiritual part of us that there's it's dilapidated it's there it's it but we don't know much about it and that's why an, an unsaved person is like what is is just seeking their whole life for that spiritual satisfaction, but they don't know that it's God that they're looking for. And they spend their whole life. And then they, they, they get in their 40s, they get in their 50s, they get in their 60s, and they realize, I've been chasing the wrong thing. And there's that. And there's that depression. It's the candle of the Lord. It's that flame that God has put inside of us. First Corinthians two verse eleven. It is that part of you and I that knows everything about us. Yeah. There's a part of us, you know. I know. I don't know if you if if you have a Mac, MacBook, sometimes it's doing this thing called indexing. You Ever see that? And it's just it's just it, the system is just searching everything that's on your hard drive and knowing every aspect of of what is in those files and what what is there, so that when you type a search, it can just pick it up right away. Your spirit, your human spirit, searches everything about you. And there's a part of you that no one can know, not even your wife or your kid or your husband, that only God knows. And sometimes there's that part of us that feels a little bit separated, like, you know what, nobody in this world knows me. Or they, you might go to a church, even though like, the church may have body life, it might, be, it might be just fun, great, deep, the teaching may be great. But sometimes you just might feel like, you know what, I don't know if everybody really knows me. And that's true. There's a part of you, part of me, that not everybody can know. Only God can know that. And that's called the human spirit. You and I have a human spirit. And but when we become saved, the Bible talks about that human spirit being regenerated. Yeah. Quickened, made alive in Ephesians chapter two. We've been quickened together in him. That that spirit is like breathed upon. It's like it's we are quickened. We are we are there's a part of us that wakes up that we don't even know that it wakes up and then down the road we start hearing things that we didn't hear before we start hearing the spirit of god in our life the word of god begins to make sense to us i remember being an unsaved person <clears throat> as a kid opening the bible and not even understanding the bible it was just like you know it was just so it's like so it was just so ununderstandable and when we when we meet new people <clears throat> we want to make sure that we encourage them that are um that are new believers that they would take time pray before you open the word and just lord speak to me through your word and open my mind and that's why we have these bible school classes that's why we have these meetings together this is why we have these times together in the word because the word of god is so key and i want to talk about that in a minute so we are spirit okay every one of us in this room it, we are you have a spirit and if you're born again today which i believe everybody is in this room then your spirit is alive it's awake and it's, the, it's a great way to look at it. It's like the skylight. It's like that part, of our, it's that part of our being, there's a skylight. And when we look through the spirit, when we look through our spirit, we can see the heavens. That's that part of us that has communion with God. And we said this the other day, it's like a modem. It's like that modem in our phone that, that, um, that is tuned to the frequency of God, that can hear God's voice. And this is what spirituality is, a person that functions in their spirit. i are going to talk about that in a second. Secondly, we are a soul. We have a soul. C.S. Lewis said this, that we are first a soul, that we are first a soul. We were created a living soul. Now imagine Adam and Eve before the fall in the garden. Adam and Eve, they lived in the garden. They had, um, God would come to them. At the end of the day, and there would be the word of God, God would commune with them. He would speak his mind. He would speak to them. There was like daily, there was a daily time that they spent with God. It was a daily word. And we see that in Acts chapter 2, a daily gathering together. And that's why I like just, I'm a fellowship junkie. I really enjoy gathering together around the word and and with you all. And that because that builds me up, I need that. But Adam and Eve before the fall, Adam had and I, I you know, I don't want to freak you out. I don't want to freak you out or get into like speculation here. But we can see in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam had abilities that we don't have abilities today as human beings. Adam had the ability to name all the animals. How many animals are there? I mean, he could do this like like he could do this with such ease. Adam had the ability to know his creation, the world. He understood his universe, he understood the worlds he understood everything about it. Adam had abilities in his soul that we don't have today because we are fallen. We are fallen souls now. Before the fall, Adam could know his God. He could know his creation. He could know his wife. He could know everything about He could look at a giraffe and, and understand that that giraffe, uh, everything about the, the the purpose of God and the creation of that giraffe, and know that in an instant and know how to communicate to to every animal and every being in in. In creation not only was he a master and a steward of the entire creation that God had given him he was also a protector but he was also a leader God had told Adam to lead to lead creation and he had given he had been given authority over creation he had been given authority mm-hmm. over all the elements the weather everything that we can see today that's out of control Adam was the was was the was the The leader and the king. He was the king of creation, and he he could lead. He had he had abilities to know things that um, are so far beyond any human abilities today. And so that was because he was a soul. Now we have the. the, I'm sorry, just follow me. I know this is some heavy teaching, but I want to get practical in a minute. Adam had this ability in his soul to not only know his creation, the physical world that he lived in. But Adam understood also how to live in the spiritual world too. He understood. He saw things that we don't see today. <clears throat> he would commune like, like we see that. We see the serpent come into the garden, and he's spe- and that serpent is speaking to Eve. We don't see serpents coming and talking to people today. This was normal before the fall, because Adam, as the king of creation, as the leader of creation, in his soul had the ability to understand not only his physical world but also live in the spiritual world and have interaction with with God's seraphim and, his, and with his cherubim and all the high-ranking um, hosts of heaven. And it's just amazing that Adam had this ability. And God's will for Adam was to bring the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, the invisible kingdom of heaven onto earth. Yeah. And that was God's will for Adam. Adam was to lead and he was to bring, he was to bring everything in creation into subjection. His family, other human beings that were coming later to bring under subjection unto the kingdom of God, and that was Adam's calling. And Adam had ability to communicate with his wife, and and, and um, one commentator says that they didn't even have to talk to each other. They looked at each other and they knew each other's soul that moment. And like in and imagine in marriage, and that happens today to us. You know, if you're married or if you're very close to someone, you can look at them and sometimes understand without any words through like just this just this intuitiveness. Something that's going on in somebody's mind. And that was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was living on this earth as the second Adam. And he had this ability. And he was bringing, he did what Adam could not do. Let's take a minute and compare the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam lived in a utopia. The second Adam lived in what? A desert. Just broken country. Under the, uh, the oppression of a Roman government. The first Adam came as as welcomed and loved and respected as the king of his creation. The second Adam was what? Rejected, Mm -hmm. despised, and crucified. The first Adam came with with nothing. There was no needs. He he could eat from every tree of the garden, all all the fruit of the garden. Uh, Every animal obeyed him. He had anything that he would want, like he would think it, and he he could know it, and he could enjoy it. The second Adam had what? He, 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 didn't, he, hadn't, he didn't have any of that. He lived many times. He was hungry. He was without a place to lay his head. He was, he was despised. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, it says in, in Isaiah 53. He was, he was in a much different position than the first Adam. The first Adam had God meeting with him every morning. Sorry, every evening. The second Adam did the same thing. Not in a garden, but on a mountain. I love to read sometimes the book of Luke because the book of Luke portrays Jesus Christ and his humanity. And what is Jesus Christ and his humanity? What is it recorded that he does in the book of Luke? He prays. If you want to study the prayer life of Christ, read the book of Luke because that's God in the flesh. What does God in the flesh do? He prays. (laughs) He's praying. And our mini semester is going to end, and then I want to take the next three or four Saturday nights and just get together and pray Just come here to pray together, uh, open the Word, pray together, uh, and just believe God for some beautiful things for this summer. Prayer. Prayer is so in my heart, and there's so much I would like to share about prayer. Jesus prayed. He drew near to his Father. And when we read the book of Luke and the Gospels, there's portraying a lonely man. He wasn't lonely, but a solitary man with his Father. And there was very little information about what the Son and the Father were talking about. But there's that communion that went on. Because Jesus, there was a, there was that part of Jesus, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, that no one understood, only the Father knew, and the Holy Spirit, and he lived being comforted by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Jesus, the man. Why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus loved us so. Because Jesus saw value in something that was so invaluable. Yeah. When, <clears throat> and so there's the body. <clears throat> and so the physical body, which is, so I just want to back up a little bit. The spirit is that part of us that's aware of God. It's God conscious. When God comes in the room or when we sense the presence of Christ or when there's an anointing or when we're worshiping or in prayer or fellowshipping, we can sense the presence of God. That's your spirit responding in Romans chapter 8 to the spirit of God. The spirit of God witnesses with your spirit that you are what? Children of God. That's what spiritual teaching is. When, we, when there's spiritual teaching going on, there's your spirit is hearing what's being said and it's there's like a handshake that's going on like okay I get it I agree that's truth it's rhema, it's like what david said that I heard it once yeah. and then I heard it again yeah. it's the double it's the double witness inside of us that spirit that's your spirit in action um, the soul is that part of us which is relates to ourselves and the world that is around us it's self awareness mm-hmm. your soul is different than your spirit mm-hmm. because your soul is that part of you that is aware of itself? It's orbiting around you. If you can imagine the solar system, it's orbiting around this, the gravity of the sun. Your soul is going to gravitate around the is going to is going to orbit around the gravity of your ego. If there's not something else that is that is um, that is involved. Sorry, that's your soul, and then the, the body, the physical body. <clears throat> The physical body is that which is aware of the physical world that we live in, our um, the creature comforts. You know what I like to eat, what restaurant I like to eat at, what kind of clothes I like to wear, what colors do I like. <clears throat> this is our body, and this is Galatians chapter five, verse seventeen: the flesh that is at that is at uh, that is at um, odds with the spirit. So when Adam sinned, <clears throat> I'm sorry, when Adam sinned, uh, what happened to his soul? All of this psychic ability that he had <clears throat> disappeared. It became like, it became frozen or inoperable. It became something that is just no longer accessible. <clears throat> this ability <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that Adam had to know the spiritual world and to also know his world. To live in the ability to reign in this world and the ability to reign in the spiritual world. His soul became fallen. And then what happened in, in, in Genesis chapter 6? The soul became flesh. Okay? The soul became flesh. Like Adam was a soul, and then it says in, Gal- in, in Genesis chapter 6, yeah. verse 12, that all flesh have corrupted their way, and they became flesh. It became a flesh-dominated existence. Are you guys following me? Yeah. So we were soulish. We had a soul. We were, before the fall, we were a soul. And then when Adam sinned, um, our soul no longer was under the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but it's now under the guidance and the direction and dominance of the flesh. Mm. And so the flesh now is, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you and I are aware of is just the room that we're in, hopefully. You know, we're not thinking about necessarily the unseen world. We first are fleshly, and that is because we have a fallen soul. Our soul is fallen. And even as a believer, our soul is fallen and we need to be quickened. And that's what David said. My soul cleaves to the dust. If you and I, for any moment of time, are not living in a constant filling and a quickening of the Holy Spirit through the word of God in Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 23. If we're not being quickened by the word of God in Psalm 119, then we're going to be surrendering and under the domination of the flesh. And at first, we don't even know it. We don't even know it. Billy said yesterday, Mark Twain's, Mark Twain's quote, that, how did that go? That deception is... It's easier to deceive someone than to convince them they've been deceived. Yeah, so we can actually be deceived and not even know it. And that's what deception is. We're wrong and we don't know it. <laughs> and how many times have we been de- deceived? And so the soul is fallen. And this, this fallen soul, this, that, that, this part that Adam had to live in a, to live a supernatural life, is now frozen and is now unable to function. And this is what the world tries to do. The world today is trying to tap those powers of the soul, and they can't do that. <clears throat> That's why you have psychics. That's why you have people that are just trying to do these, these funky things with their soul and, and, with, and, using, and using their soul and the ability of their soul to, to create effects in the world that they live in because we know that we are not only flesh and blood. We know that. There's another part of us that is spiritual, and there's another part of us that is unseen. How does this relate to where we are today? Um, By the way, so we are saved, we are quickened in Ephesians chapter 2, we are renewed in the spirit of our minds, we present our bodies in Romans chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We surrender at the cross, as we were talking about last night, discovering the will of God. And when we do that, then we are renewed in the spirit of our mind. We are renewed and we are transformed. What happens today in the world that we live in? We live in a world, you and I live in a world that's dominated by flesh, Mm -hmm. flesh and blood. It's all about flesh and blood. Politics is about flesh and blood. Economy is about flesh and blood. Society is about flesh and blood. Family talk. So much of our family talk is flesh and blood. Christianity can be all flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Serving God can be flesh and blood. And you know what happens? When and and when we when we live in a flesh-dominated state, we are not seeing the things that the second Adam was talking about jesus christ we're not seeing that we live in a spiritual world we're not living in discernment first in first john chapter four verses one through four that discernment and this is where i want to just bring in the application and just exhort us is that you and i need to be we are sealed and we are the holy spirit lives inside of us and we're sealed by the spirit that's he's not going away in ephesians chapter three we need to be renewed and we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Ephesians 5, verse 18. We need that filling. And that is something that we ask for. Excuse me, there's water here. That is something that we need to ask for. And when we ask for it, and I do that every morning. I'm like, Lord, every morning we wake up, we have these weird emotions. I don't know about you. Sometimes you don't feel good. Sometimes you feel guilty. Sometimes you feel bad. Sometimes you just feel like Man, where's my mind today? You know, like, you're just like God, and just come, you know. And I have to get up in the morning. <clears throat> I have to get up the morning before everybody else does. And if I'm on a trip, I have to get up before everybody else does, at least a half hour or so, and just get alone with God. And just I, I can't hear anything, I can't listen to anybody. It's just me, my Hebrews cup of coffee, and then my Bible. It's got to be Hebrews. What's that? It's got to be. Hebrews. <laughs> it's got to be, that's right. It's anointed coffee. A plug for Hebrews coffee. And I just got to hear from God. I could, go, God, you need to fill me. Fill me. Renew my mind. Quicken my mind. And it takes a little time. It takes some time. It's just like chasing God, pursuing God, pursuing God, chasing God, saying, Lord, I seek your face. I love this verse in Proverbs. It says that if you seek daily at his gates, you'll find him. Okay? Seeking daily at his gates. Seeking the Lord in the morning. Seeking God in the afternoon. Seeking God at night. Seeking the Lord. Seek his face. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, if we seek the Lord, we'll find him, that he reveals himself to the pure that are in heart. And that purity doesn't come from our moral our moral efforts, but it comes because we are righteous in Christ. And if we are pure, in the Polish Bible, it says that only the pure will see God. I love that because it means like, what is pure? It just means I'm not like pure in my experience on a daily basis. I mean, of course not, you know, but I'm pure because of the blood of Christ. I'm pure because I have a new I have, a new, I have a new garment of righteousness, and I can come into the presence of God, into the mercy seat. And what are the angels looking at? The mercy seat. They're looking at the blood. What is the headlines in heaven? <clears throat> the blood of Christ. It's not, oh, so-and-so sinned. No, it's the blood of Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And that's the talk of heaven. That's what is, that is the conversation in heaven. It's Jesus Christ, the, the blood of Christ, that, that is effective still today. It still flows today. And you know that is so. We need we need our minds to be renewed because <clears throat> first <clears throat> first we are physical. We have this physical body that is so. I mean, even the even like <clears throat> even like the the movements of the moon affect our physical body. You know that? Do you know how many babies are born on a full moon? I had a doctor. I had a nurse tell me that. It's crazy. Like my 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 wife's cousin who lives in Baltimore. Uh, said that every time there's a full moon, they've got to get they get extra staff because it's just going to be a lot of babies born. <laughs> when my mom was a police officer, she said that um, on days and nights when there were like, moons, you'd get so many more people coming in. Like, so people were just acting all Yeah. Time. And it's like, that's where we get that word lunatic from. Oh, You know that? Just know. madness is created by the moon. And you know, like, I don't know, my dog and my son, you know, like it's funny because they, both of them are just... They're lunatics when it's when the full moon. I mean, it's funny. We are we are flesh and blood. We're frail, we're frail, we're like yeah. so affected by the world around us, like yeah. electromagnetic <laughs> frequencies and, and the weather and the <clears throat> stuff that we don't even know about. Our physical bodies are so attached to this world yeah. in so many ways. <clears throat> Let me just say this: our soul is different than our spirit. Soulishness is different than spirituality. Yeah. And I want to make a I want to make a difference here. When the Bible says in 1 John do you have no need for any man to teach you? <clears throat> if you read that verse, it's the word for man is not anthropos, and it's not spiritual man. It's a soulish man, mm. a kos man. And what that means is, is that soulishness is always rotating and orbiting around what I want and what I feel and how this affects me and my self-awareness. And And it was said last night, someone said it last night, is that, it's so easy and the Billy said it this morning like Moses had that moment where he's living and orbiting around himself like what is going on I don't understand I thought it was going to be this way and now it's this way and the soulish man cannot perceive the things of god 1 Corinthians chapter 2 you and I don't understand the plan of god for our lives if we're looking at it in the flesh if you and I are looking at the at our you know you and I are walking on the water <clears throat> like peter and the moment that we start analyzing our life Through our soul, we're gonna start sinking. We're gonna start drowning in the details of our life. We're gonna start drowning in the miracles of the things that we are living in the power of God. Like, it's amazing because so, like the soul, like we said, is fallen, but it's there. And there is, you know, there are, you know, so sometimes um, things can do, people can do some incredible things with their soul. The soul functions on a And this is, I don't want to get too wacky here, but the soul functions on a level that the body doesn't. And that means the soul can pick up vibrations. It can pick up, you know, like, I don't like the vibes of that person. Well, that's, that is, that is like, that's, your body's not picking that up. Your soul is reading that. And like a person that has, that is living in their soul, sometimes and many times can be confused as a spiritual person. Many times we confuse spirituality with soullessness. And what, Um, Oswald Chambers does a great job. Andrew Murray does a great job about this in his book. And Watchman Nee does a great job about this in his book called The Latent Power of the Soul. If you want to really read a really far out book, read his book on the latent power of the soul. It's just pretty wild what he has to say about about the wrong kind of praying. And what he talks about is that our soul has power. It It has this force, it has this energy. And when you meet somebody, you're meeting, you're meeting their, phys- you're their physical body, but there's a soul behind the face. And people have like this energy, they have these vibes, and sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's positive. It all depends on what's going on inside the soul. The way you and I think, the way the, the, the way we live in the content of our soul, if we're living with divine content from the Word of God in our soul, then we are going to have what is called like, what our pastor used to call like a, a faith shield, like a, a faith, a, how do you call it? A field, faith field around us. Like when you and I walk in the spirit and our soul, like our soul is is filled with content of the word of God and the mind of Christ and the promises of God and the faithfulness of God and the characteristics of God, that is inside of our soul. And that's, we're camping out there and that's what we're meditating on in our in our mind. Then we are going to be, we're going to be walking around as like a generator that with vibrations that are just godly, edifying, encouraging. And we're not going to be walking around in negativity, pessimism, and depression. Although sometimes those things may come on us. If we live and we fill the rooms of our soul with the Word of God and with the mind of Christ about our life, then we're going to walk around and we're going to be an edifying person because we're going to be just, you know, we're going to be just, we're going to be like, there's going to be, I don't know, have you ever been around a very powerful electrical object or like the, a train engine, like at a train yard, and you can feel like the vibrations of the power of that thing? Well, like that's on your physical body, but that also exists on a soulish level. For example, when, when John said you don't need a soulish man to teach you, it is very possible that I can be a talented and gifted individual and not even be spiritual. And this is really important because... If my, if my talents, which are different than gifts, if my talents and gifts are not surrendered to the Holy Spirit, are not surrendered to the Word of God, are not surrendered in the body of Christ in Romans 12, verse 10, then what happens? I am going to be functioning in the power of my soul. And guess what? That may be amazing. That could be incredible. That could be even miraculous sometimes. I could be a, I could be a person that is so gifted and so powerful in my gifting, in my soul, that I could very easily deceive someone thinking, oh, he's a spiritual person. So if I'm a gifted person, by the way, we were talking about gifts yesterday. If I'm a very gifted person, I have to be careful because that is going to be my that's going to be my first blind spot. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. your strength and my strength is always going to be that part of us that's going to be the first place that gets deceived. Because that part of us, that strong part of us, that part that we can do so well, we don't even need God for it. That's the part. That we can that we can like hurt people with, and that we could hurt ourselves, and hurt our spouse, and and hurt our kids, and hurt our neighbors, and hurt the world that we live in. That's why everything that we have about us needs to be surrendered to the to Christ, to His Holy Spirit, and the Body of Christ. We were saying yesterday, and I was just thinking again about this this morning, is that my gift doesn't belong to me; it belongs to the Body of Christ. So if I don't feel like doing something, if I don't feel like showing up and preaching. I have to because this is not my gift. This belongs to the body, you know. And just like in marriage, the white, this body of your spouse doesn't belong to them. Same thing in the body of Christ. That I need to be in the body, and I need to be, I need to be surrendered because if I'm not, then people are, you know. I'm not. I'm not talking about. Sure. Yeah, I'm just saying that, like, the body, the gift, our body is not our own, and so. Mm-hmm. Our soul, fallen, our soul is falling, and our soul naturally is going to trend toward the physical it's going to trend toward the dust it's going to trend toward the negativity that's why that's why bad information and negative information is way more popular than good information who said it? Winston Churchill said that he said that um, the bad report goes around the world be, um, no, the lie um, circles the earth while truth is just getting its boots on it's just so true because like Bad information travels so much quickly because that is what soulishly we, we, we cleave to. It says in James that the wisdom of this world is first earthly. It's, in Greek, it's epigeos, and it just means that it's first earthly. It's just like, oh, you ever hear a song or see a, a car or something and there's just something about you that cleaves to it? I mean, you know, I saw the cars here um, on Instagram, and I was looking at it, I was like, oh, man, I'm cleaving to that, you know? And I was just laughing about it. There's today I was driving to to, to church and there's about fifty or sixty cyclists on on Kirkendall just taking up one lane. And I was just like, oh man, that's I would love to do that, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to church. And I just, there's a part of us. There's something that is in our soul that cleaves to things. We can cleave to our dog. We can cleave to our pet because our pet, you know, our animals have souls. It's just an animal life soul. And so there's that part of us that cleaves to the dust, that cleaves to the earth, that cleaves to the bad information. That, and the best of us in this room, that's us in the morning. And that's why David cried out, he said, "He said, my soul cleaves to the dust. I want to say one more thing about serving God is that on a consistent basis, God is, is challenging me and anyone that serves God. Am I serving in the energy of my soul or am I serving in the energy of the spirit? Because soulishness means that everything, if everything, like artists, for example, like, you know, musicians. We, like, and I consider myself maybe musical. If somebody criticizes my music or an artist or someone's painting, oh, my gosh, it's the end of the world. If someone's touch is like, hey, can you hit, like, can you do E minor a little different than, like, whoa, you know, the artist's personality. Like, you know, you're just, you, um, we're talking about a song. We're talking. No, you just touched my ego. You know, like, oh, my God, how dare you say that? Oh, my God. You know, it's like, so it's like, and this is, you know, and, and that'll happen. The, there'll be times when someone says, you know, your wife may say, you know what, when you preached, you know, like that just came across like this. Wait, honey, what are you talking about? You know, and it's like it's because we have become soulishly attached to the gift. And then we and then what happens is, is that we get discouraged and we and, and God has to continually challenge that. And that's why we have to bring our soul, not just our body, but our soul life to the cross. Yeah. And that needs to be crucified. And, and when we say that I am what I am, we're talking about our soul. We're not talking about our physical body. C.S. Lewis said this. He said that when you get married, you're not marrying body first. You're marrying a soul first. Because mm-hmm. the body changes. Your, the body, your spouse body, everything's going to change over time. And that's what makes be- marriage beautiful. That you're together, and when things are changing... We're still together and it's still awesome, and you're still that young soul inside of you. Mm -hmm. So the soul is that part of us that is self-aware and that needs to be crucified, that needs to be brought to the submission of the Spirit of God, submission to the Word of God, and submission to the body of Christ, those three things. And only then and only then can I have in my soul peace. Mm -hmm. I can understand the the five parts of my soul can be healthy. My, my, My mind, my emotions, my 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 will, my conscience, which is my you know my norms and standards, and my self-image. Those five parts of my soul are going to be healthy when that when my soul is surrendered in Romans twelve verses one and two to God, and I I understand that my life is not my own, and it says then the Holy Spirit God can work through us and it can be powerful, and that's what an anointing is. I'm going to close with this: is that this is what an anointing is. And if, in Isaiah chapter ten, I think it's verse twenty-seven. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It. it says that the anointing that the that the that the yoke that the anointing breaks the yoke. And this is what I really pray for in our church that we would have an anointing here, and that it would not just be a soulish expression of some yeah. very talented. And I think that's why we all pray here, you know. And doesn't make us elitist. It doesn't make us better than anybody else because we're not. There's amazing things happening in 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 this in christianity and like we're we're a small part of it um but but i think that god has called us to do something very specific and 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 i just think that if we can function in the anointing then people are going to walk out the door in the anoint and and the yoke of sin yoke of depression yoke of bondage the yoke of self-awareness all these yokes that we carry around self the yoke of financial burdens the yoke of of, of relationships that are based on a soulish level and there's no spirituality in that relationship then what happens is that that yoke is broken and people walk out and they're free and and the worst thing that could happen to me as a pastor is that i preach a message and it's not anointed people walk out the door like what was that that was just that was so that there was no i'm not edified and when there's an edit when there's an anointing there's edification when there's when it's soul power, it's stimulating. It's wow! It's like that's amazing. But I'm still cleaving to the dust. I'm still cleaving to a personality. You know, I can have a soulless relationship with somebody. You can have a soulless relationship with a talented person, with a pastor. And that's why, in all of our relationships, we have to have Christ between us. Because I'm going to do stuff that's going to offend you. I'm going to say stuff sometimes that I'm not even aware of. And it's like, bam! Wow! What did? What is, I'm just so offended that he, that he, you know, that happened. And it's like. We have to take each other to the cross. We have to put Christ between us. Mm-hmm. And especially in marriage, in our relationships, in our friendships, there has to be Christ between us and that other person. Broken relationships, um, unresolved conflicts, uh, unres- and, and relationships that are that are in a place of brokenness and not healed. What do we do? We put Christ between us and that person. And that, that, that has to be there. And when that's the case, they're seeing Christ and they're not seeing your flesh. And so soulishness... Like soulishness, I mean I can do so much in the power of my soul, but guess what? Nothing changes. Nothing changes. People are not set free. There's no healings that take place. There's no conviction from the Holy Spirit taking place. The anointing means that 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 my vessel is being broken in surrender and submission. My identity and my value is not being broken. I'm not being smashed in my value as a human being. My dignity is not destroyed. Remember John chapter 8, Jesus is dealing with the woman caught in adultery. He never insulted her dignity. He, he addressed her sin and the toxicity of her sin. He never, and, that, and we get that wrong in churches all the time. We are, we are insulting people's dignity without reflecting to them the value of who they are in Christ. And so spiritual ministry means, in closing this, is that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the word of God is living and active. And actually, that should, that can be translated. The word of God is actively active, mm. sharper than any two-edged sword. And the two-edged sword was not only the Roman sword that we hear about, but there there is. It's very possible that that sword was actually the, the original. The original origin of that name was a small knife that was curved. That could it was a boning knife. That where you're cutting, you're cutting, um, um, you're cutting tendons and flesh off of a bone. It's a two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and spirit. And by the way, if you and I are not being renewed and quickened in our mind by the word of God, then, then we don't even know that I'm functioning in my soul. I'm not even, I, don't even, I, don't even, I don't even know it. And I'm living in a blind spot. And, and I'm living in a very selfish world. And, and by the way, in the soulless world, you can be good. You can have the tree of knowledge of good. And you can be very good. And you can be very bad. You know, I was just talking to I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and they were saying like like they were telling me about all the good things about this very bad person in their life. And, and I, you know, what, what is that? That person is unregenerated, is not spiritual, and he's functioning in the in, in the naturally good or in the natural evil aspects of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we need to be we need the word of God to to cause that division between the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow. Joints and marrow. You know what that means? Joints, this is a joint, right? It, it means movement and marrow. And marrow and joints are not connected, by the way. We know that. But the marrow is that part of your bone where all of the blood cells are made. That's the health of your body. Is in. It's the health of your blood that's in the marrow. And so what it's saying is, is that if your marrow is healthy, then your joints are going to have proper movement. If, if your marrow is healthy, and that really speaking of the soul, if your soul is healthy, I mean, sorry, speaking of the spirit, if your spirit is healthy... And you're going to have proper movement in your soul, and you're going to have um, you're going to have that freedom, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. I I welcome the Word of God to, and the word here is criticize. It means just like it means like hey, you know, no, that's you know, remember Saul and Samuel, and I'll close with this. Saul thinks he's doing a good job in First Samuel. He's like, I kept the best. I didn't. He didn't obey the full command of God. He didn't wipe out all the, ag- you know, all the Agites. And they were a bad group of people because they attacked Israel from behind. He, he killed the worst of it but kept the best. And that's soulishness. That's soulish living. Living in what I think is right, my self-opinions and what I think I should be doing, yet it's not the perfect will of God. And what happens is, is that Samuel walks up. He hears the bleeding of the sheep. He hears, he goes, what is this sound? He goes, oh, Samuel' going to love what I did. I was really thinking for God here. I kept the best, you know? And then here comes Agab, King Agab. you know the story? He waltzes in like, hey, judgment is past, surely everybody's happy. We're all good. He kind of waltzes in, and that's the picture of the government of the flesh that's not crucified, because a soul can just produce a lot of great things, but nothing powerful. Wow. And then what, is, what does Samuel do? Samuel's like, he takes his sword. And he just carves up that guy to pieces. He chops him up in small pieces. Well, that wasn't very gracious. That wasn't very kind. That wasn't very loving as a man of God. He should have been more kind. And No, he chopped him up to pieces because that's what, does, that's what the cross does in our life. It chops up our flesh. It, it offends us. It, it really breaks us. Why? So that when the flesh is crucified, that's when we are free. And that's when we can function in joy. And that's when things are like, Things that would bother me just don't have that power in my life anymore because, because I'm being filled with the Spirit. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm walking in my calling. I'm walking in what God is saying to me. Um, I'm walking in who I am in Christ. I'm walking in the newness of life. I'm looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 into the perfect law of liberty, that liberty of the Spirit of God. And I have this joy and this peace and 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 it's okay. maybe maybe I'm off for about 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe even a day. But I, I rebound into the 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 revival. Of my, I I rebound into the renewal of my mind, and I'm okay. And I can draw near. And that's what it means that that sin and death no longer has power over us. And we're functioning in the anointing. We're we're walking in a flow. And when something when the, you know when. When, when, when the animal and, and the yoke were anointed, there wasn't that friction. Mm-hmm. And the friction between the sheep mm-hmm. just begins, it becomes minimized because there's anointing between us. Mm-hmm. You know? There's that love and there's that depth that we see behind a person, and we're not living in their flesh, in the, in the world of flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, reg- revive me according to your word. Mm-hmm. Say something to me. Matthew 4 verse 4 it says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word you know that word there is not logos it's rhema it means a living impartation of what the word of God means for me in this moment a rhema and and and, and we without this refreshing and I know I'm talking really long today I'm finishing now but when we live in this refreshing word from the Lord and we and and we hear it from God there is this revival and we're no longer drifting in a gravitational pull to a negative situation or a negative relationship. We're actually free. And that's why in Galatians 5, verse 16 through 18, if we walk by the Spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And that's what we want. Too many of us are afraid. Billy said this yesterday. And he said it some way like this, that we are just in this battle with like trying to not sin and do better and better and better. But that's not the battle. Our spiritual battle is not that. Our battle is like labor, so you strive in, in 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 Hebrews chapter four that you would enter into that rest in verse eleven, the verse before this, chapter four, verse twelve. Labor and like instead of fighting your sin, just enter into the rest that is finished. That we are we are new creations, that we're holy and acceptable in God, and that God loves us. Amen. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, God.